the Bible, the book that has changed the world by changing lives around the world. Men and women, young and old, the Bible has changed my life. The love, stability, and hope that I need, they're all found in the Bible. The Bible gives me hope that a new day is coming. The Bible is helping me see what really matters. The Bible Live is a -a one-of-a-kind, first-time-in-history radio program. Offering you the chance to hear a 15 to 20 minute Bible reading each weeknight. The entire Bible, every year. Hear the scriptures, then call in with your comments and questions. This is the best show in the world. Well, actually, I was speaking against everything you were talking about before, and uh, now I, I stand humbly corrected. I'm a pastor, and our people really need to know the word more. The Bible also transformed the life of your Bible Live host. A full-blooded Apache Indian, born out of wedlock and abandoned at birth. Soapy Dollar was found in a big city alley by a kind-hearted fortune teller, then passed around to 16 families before he was six years old. Placed in a home for homeless and delinquent boys, Soapy Dollar heard the Bible's life-changing message at the age of eight, and the course of his life was changed. He's an American Indian guitar play it all around rodeo cowboy. I keep my thumb between the pages and my heart in the book. With more degrees than a thermometer and over 40 years of introducing folks just like you to the God of the Bible. Here is Sophie Dollar. And here we are, thanking you for being along with us tonight for The Bible Live. We are making our way through the second and the fourth of the four letters that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. We call them First and Second Corinthians. There was a prior letter and a third letter that have been lost. The reason we know that, of course, is they are referenced in these very letters of First and Second Corinthians. These two letters to the Corinthians, they're very different in character. The first letter was Paul writing because of the problems that there were in the church. Divisions, I'm following Paul, I'm following Apollos, other people following Peter or Cephas. We see Paul dealing with that. We see him dealing with problems of immorality. The city of Corinth, which is a port city, is extremely immoral. There were pagan temples which used over a thousand men and women, prostitutes. There were all kinds of idolatry, of course, and in the meat that was sacrificed to these idols. There were all kinds of questions and problems, and Paul has to deal with so many of those, plus answering some of the specific questions that the people of Corinth had written to him. Now, as we've moved into 2 Corinthians, and we pick up tonight in chapter 4, Paul now is having to defend his own apostolic authority, his investment in the people of Corinth, and also the revelation that God had given to him personally, that Jesus himself had appeared to him. Now Paul is discussing death and the new bodies that we will have as God's people, the victory that we have because of Christ over death, hell, and the grave. Before we get to that, though, let's go to our reading from the book of Proverbs, our wisdom and worship segment here on The Bible Life. Proverbs 21, 16-31 The person who strays from common sense will end up in the company of the dead. Those who love pleasure become poor. Wine and luxury are not the way to riches. Sometimes the wicked are punished to save the godly and the treacherous for the upright. It is better to live alone in the desert than with a crabby complaining wife. 
The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Whoever pursues godliness and unfailing love will find life, godliness, and honor. The wise conquer the city of the strong and level the fortress in which they trust. If you keep your mouth shut, you will stay out of trouble. Mockers are proud and haughty. They act with boundless arrogance. The desires of lazy people will be their ruin, for their hands refuse to work. They are always greedy for more, while the godly love to give. God loathes the sacrifice of an evil person, especially when it is brought with ulterior motives. A false witness will be cut off, but an attentive witness will be allowed to speak. The wicked put up a bold front, but the upright proceed with care. Human plans, no matter how wise or well advised, cannot stand against the Lord. The horses are prepared for battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. End of reading, Proverbs 21, 16 through 31. is the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. I exalt thee. I exalt thee. <laughs> Can hardly keep from singing along. I really do enjoy these beautiful songs of worship as we read through the scriptures together. One of my favorite Proverbs is verse 31 that we read tonight. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. I like it because it gives us that careful balance between our part and God's part. Yes, we have to take steps of obedience, steps of faith. Obedience is not an end within itself, or it becomes legalism. And of course, I like the way that puts it, being an old rodeo champion and growing up on a ranch, I like the idea that you got to saddle up the horse and cinch up and get everything ready. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but the battle, never forget it, the battle belongs to to the Lord. That's something we need to remember. In all of the different challenges, in all the different battles of our life, we take steps of faith, obey the Lord, trust Him, do the right thing, and then we trust in God to give us the victory. I like that verse a lot. From the book of Proverbs 21:31. Now we're going to pick up in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul is discussing the beauty and the power and the glory of the new covenant. We don't earn or accomplish salvation by our good works. We receive it as a free gift, and then God works in us to transform us. Not with laws from the outside, but he writes the laws on our hearts. And there's that beautiful passage, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. As Americans, we must never forget that essential truth. Now we pick up at the end of chapter 4, just before we go into chapter 5, Paul will talk about our new resurrection bodies. 2 Corinthians 4.16-9.15 2 Corinthians 4 That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are quite small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see right now. Rather, we look forward to what we have not yet seen. For the troubles we see will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. 2 Corinthians 5 For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, when we die and leave these bodies, we will have a home in heaven, 
an eternal body made for us by God Himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies, and we long for the day when we will put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will not be spirits without bodies, but we will put on new heavenly bodies. Our dying bodies make us groan and sigh, but it's not that we want to die and have no bodies at all. We want to slip into our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by everlasting life. God Himself has prepared us for this, and as a guarantee, He has given us His Holy Spirit. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. That is why we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident, and we would rather be away from these bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. So our aim is to please Him always, whether we are here in this body or away from this body. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in our bodies. It is because we know this solemn fear of the Lord that we work so hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we trying to pat ourselves on the back again? No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us, so that you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart before God. If it seems that we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Whatever we do, it is because Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for everyone, we also believe that we have all died to the old life we used to live. He died for everyone so that those who receive His new life will no longer live to please themselves. Instead, they will live to please Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others by what the world thinks about them. Once I mistakenly thought of Christ that way, as though He were merely a human being. How differently I think about Him now. What this means is that those who become Christians become new persons. They are not the same anymore, for the old life is gone. A new life has begun. All this newness of life is from God, who brought us back to Himself through what Christ did. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to Him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. This is the wonderful message He has given us to tell others. We are Christ's ambassadors, and God is using us to speak to you. We urge you, as though Christ Himself were here pleading with you, be reconciled to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. 2 Corinthians 6 As God's partners, we beg you not to reject this marvelous message of God's great kindness. For God says, At just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, God is ready to help you right now, Today is the day of salvation. We try to live in such a way that no one will be hindered from finding the Lord by the way we act, and so no one can find fault with our ministry. In everything we do, we try to show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We have been beaten, been put in jail, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food. 
We have proved ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, our sincere love, and the power of the Holy Spirit. We have faithfully preached the truth. God's power has been working in us. We have righteousness as our weapon, both to attack and to defend ourselves. We serve God, whether people honor us or despise us, whether they slander us or praise us. We are honest, but they call us impostors. We are well known, but we are treated as unknown. We live close to death, but here we are, still alive. We have been beaten within an inch of our lives. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. Oh, dear Corinthian friends, we have spoken honestly with you. Our hearts are open to you. If there is a problem between us, it is not because of a lack of love on our part, but because you have withheld your love from us. I am talking now as I would to my own children. Open your hearts to us. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can goodness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore come out from them and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. And I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. 2 Corinthians 7 because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit, and let us work toward complete purity because we fear God. Please open your hearts to us. We have not done wrong to anyone. We have not led anyone astray. We have not taken advantage of anyone. I'm not saying this to condemn you, for I said before that you are in our hearts forever. We live or die together with you. I have the highest confidence in you, and my pride in you is great. You have greatly encouraged me. You have made me happy despite all our troubles. When we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. Outside, there was conflict from every direction, and inside, there was fear. But God, who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. His presence was a joy but so was the news he brought of the encouragement he received from you. When he told me how much you were looking forward to my visit, and how sorry you were about what had happened, and how loyal your love is for me, I was filled with joy. I am no longer sorry that I sent that letter to you, though I was sorry for a time, for I know that it was painful to you for a little while. Now I am glad I sent it not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to have remorse and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants His people to have, so you were not harmed by us in any way. For God can use sorrow in our lives to help us turn away from sin and seek salvation. We will never regret that kind of sorrow, but sorrow without repentance is the kind that results in death. Just see what this godly sorrow produced in you. Such earnestness, such concern to clear yourselves, such indignation, such alarm, such longing to see me, such zeal, and such readiness to punish the wrongdoer. 
you showed that you have done everything you could to make things right. My purpose was not to write about who did the wrong or who was wronged. I wrote to you so that in the sight of God you could show how much you really do care for us. We have been encouraged by this. In addition to our own encouragement, we were especially delighted to see how happy Titus was at the way you welcomed him and set his mind at ease. I had told him how proud I was of you, and you didn't disappoint me. I have always told you the truth, and now my boasting to Titus has also proved true. Now he cares for you more than ever when he remembers the way you listened to him and welcomed him with such respect and deep concern. I am very happy now because I have complete confidence in you. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. 2 Corinthians 8 Now I want to tell you, dear brothers and sisters, what God in His kindness has done for the churches in Macedonia. Though they have been going through much trouble and hard times, their wonderful joy and deep poverty have overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the gracious privilege of sharing in the gift for the Christians in Jerusalem. Best of all, they went beyond our highest hopes, for their first action was to dedicate themselves to the Lord and to us for whatever directions the Lord might give them. So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to complete your share in this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways, you have so much faith, such gifted speakers, such knowledge, such enthusiasm, and such love for us. Now I want you to excel also in this gracious ministry of giving. I am not saying you must do it, even though the other churches are eager to do it. This is one way to prove your love is real. You know how full of love and kindness our Lord Jesus Christ was. Though he was very rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that by his poverty he could make you rich. I suggest that you finish what you started a year ago, for you were the first to propose this idea, and you were the first to begin doing something about it. Now you should carry this project through to completion just as enthusiastically as you began it. Give whatever you can according to what you have. If you are really eager to give, it isn't important how much you are able to give. God wants you to give what you have, not what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean that you should give so much that you suffer from having too little. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now, you have plenty and can help them. Then at some other time, they can share with you when you need it. In this way, everyone's needs will be met. Do you remember what the scriptures say about this? Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. I am thankful to God that he has given Titus the same enthusiasm for you that I have. He welcomed our request that he visit you again. In fact, he himself was eager to go and see you. We are also sending another brother with Titus. He is highly praised in all the churches as a preacher of the good news. He was appointed by the churches to accompany us as we take the offering to Jerusalem, a service that glorifies the Lord and shows our eagerness to help. By traveling together, we will guard against any suspicion, for we are anxious that no one should find fault with the way we are handling this generous gift. We are careful to be honorable before the Lord, but we also want everyone else to know we are honorable. And we are also sending with them another brother who has been thoroughly tested and has shown how earnest he is on many occasions. 
He is now even more enthusiastic because of his increased confidence in you. If anyone asks about Titus, say that he is my partner who works with me to help you. And these brothers are representatives of the churches. They are splendid examples of those who bring glory to Christ. So show them your love and prove to all the churches that our boasting about you is justified. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. 2 Corinthians 9 I really don't need to write you about this gift for the Christians in Jerusalem, for I know how eager you are to help. And I have been boasting to our friends in Macedonia that you Christians in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of them to begin helping. But I am sending these brothers just to be sure that you really are ready, as I told them you would be, with your money all collected. I don't want it to turn out that I was wrong in my boasting about you. I would be humiliated, and so would you, if some Macedonian Christians came with me only to find that you still weren't ready after all I had told them. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift, not one given under pressure. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each make up your own mind as to how much you should give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves the person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, godly people give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will never be forgotten. For God is the one who gives seed to the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will give you many opportunities to do good, and he will produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched so that you can give even more generously. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will break out in thanksgiving to God. So two good things will happen. The needs of the Christians in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanksgiving to God. You will be glorifying God through your generous gifts, for your generosity to them will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ, and they will pray for you with deep affection because of the wonderful grace of God shown through you. Thank God for His Son, a gift too wonderful for words. End of reading, 2 Corinthians 4.16 through 9.15. As always, the scriptures tie together beautifully from Proverbs chapter 21. Some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. One of the things I have noticed over these many years now, four decades of ministry, is that when someone has a genuine encounter with God, repented of sin and by grace through faith has come into a relationship with God, one of the most common and one of the most certain results is an explosion of generosity. Almost immediately, people, when they've really had an encounter with God, there is an impulse to give. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about wanting to give their time, wanting to help others. The presence of God in their lives begins to show itself by their impulse to give of themselves to others. And it's one of the most certain consequences, one of the most certain byproducts of the new birth. Paul highlights that tonight in his letter to the Corinthians. 
In chapters 8 and 9, he is talking to them about giving, about this special offering that was being taken from the different churches around the empire. Paul was putting together an offering from these congregations, sending back to help the poor church, the suffering church in Jerusalem. And he enjoins the people of Corinth to participate. Now, it was Titus, he says, who first brought to them the idea of this offering, but they were enthusiastically embracing it, and he compliments them for that and encourages them to follow through on that impulse of generosity and giving. Paul makes himself accountable for the money, but he says, I'm going to be going with Titus. I want to guard against any criticism for the way we handle this gift. We are careful to be honorable before the Lord, but we also want everyone else to know that we are honorable. So he has accountability, human accountability, and that's always a good thing in the handling of finances. One of the most explosive mixes in the world is religion and money, faith and money. You must be open and above board and clearly clearly separating monetary motivation. That's one of the things I'm so grateful for our ministry with Campus Crusade. We have a team of men and women who serve us and help us and love us and pray for us. They support us in the ministry. For 40 years, we have been serving the Lord in this way, and some have been supporting all those years, $10 a month, 15 a month, 20 a month. We have a wonderful team of, of ministry partners. That allows us to give ourselves away in the ministry. We never have to put a price tag on what it is to minister to others on projects, evangelism, outreaches, and so on. We do encourage you, even as Paul does here, to be generous in giving to the cause of Christ. No mention is made here of anything like the tithe. The tithe is an Old Testament concept totally and absolutely Old Testament. Paul in the New Testament enjoins us to be generous. Some believers should give far more than 10%, giving 40, 50, 60, 80%. We should be investing that in others. So the tithe is not mentioned, but generosity is certainly enjoined. There could be much said about the reading tonight. We are not spirits without bodies, Paul declares. We are a living spirit. This is a very important formula. We are a living spirit. That's the house of the will the essence of you defined as a person, your will, your independent will of being. That is, you are a living spirit. You possess a soul with a capacity of reason and emotional response. The soul is the bridge between the spirit and the body, passing the instructions from the body through the brain, the cerebral, the neurological system to the body, and also the means by which we communicate with other physical and soulish beings or entities. Paul gives us a good anthropological statement there about the nature of man and that we'll have new bodies for our spirits in heaven. But let's remember generosity. God enjoins generosity. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Kendall Hawk Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Soapy Dollars. Start today, and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.